0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not set at the water cooler. I'm Kat Troyer. I'm Liz Bronson. Hey, Liz.
1: Hi, Kat. Kat, I'm excited. Today we are going to revisit the topic that we discussed last season with my husband, Eric, all about traveling for work. Our guest, Stephen Andert, found Eric's episode and asked to come on to continue the conversation. He has some different advice for us, which is great. Um, In non-corona times, a number of people in our audience travel for work, some often and some sporadically, and Stephen has taken his work travel and turned it into an art form, even writing a book about it called Surviving Business Travel. Stephen's joining us today with more tips and tricks and discussing how not only to survive, but to thrive when work travel is a part of your life. Welcome, Stephen, and please tell us about your career journey.
2: Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Liz and Kat. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, let's get this out of the way. I'm an introvert, okay. I always have been. And I, a long time ago, about 20 years ago, I decided that being afraid of public speaking was going to be a career limiter for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I took measures and forced myself outside of my introverted comfort zone and started doing more things that required standing up in front of an audience, and that has paid off handsomely for me. Good for you. I really actually have gotten to the point where this lockdown, actually, I wish it would be over and I could go back to visiting things I've missed, two conferences that I was planning on going and I was going to be presenting at one of them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny how big of a shift it can make. But when I do tests, I still test as an introvert.
0: Well, here's a secret. Both Liz and I are introverts too. And that doesn't mean that we're not very people focused, which we both are. But I think it's how you recover, right? I tend to recover needing to be alone, right? And that's that's what introverts tend to do. Although I probably am on the borderline, right? A little yeah. introverted, a little extroverted. Liz, Liz probably too, but
1: ambivert or something like that. Yes, I think they yes.
0: Call it. <laughs> But yeah. I think it's great to, um, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone has clearly had a positive impact on your career. So congratulations yeah. for that.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, outside your comfort zone is where growth happens, Amen. and that has uh, been been my mantra for for quite mm-hmm. a while. And I'm also in the tech field, which mm-hmm. I when I first got into computers, I said perfect. I can work with computers, and I don't need to deal with people. Just Mm -hmm. hand me a piece of paper that says what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Until I had that epiphany of uh, limitations that was going to cause me, I enjoyed that. And I kept doing it and continued to be an introvert in the tech world that occasionally would step outside of my comfort zone and do public presentations at user groups and different things like that. It got to a point where I had an opportunity for a job that was a little further outside of the technical world where I used my subject matter expertise to help support a sales organization for a large three-letter tech company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my interview with my hiring manager there was one of the easiest interviews I've ever had in spite of 15 plus years at that point in in my field because when I uttered the phrase Toastmasters, he was excited and ready to hire me on the spot.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a great place to get experience doing public speaking, especially if you don't have much experience. It's, okay. it's not very expensive, and there's usually a local chapter somewhere near where you live.
2: The support that you get from that organization is incredible. You, you can't do anything wrong. Uh, you get correction on how to make okay. things better, but okay. you, you can stick your toe in the wrong uh, electric socket and uh, still you're, everything's okay.
0: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great learning environment, right? To uh, to just kind of accept that mistakes may happen, but you just kind of learn from them and keep on going. And with public speaking, it's all about practice, right? Right. And you get a cohort
1: that's also learning the same skill. And yeah. so that's nice too. It's just a great place if someone's wanting to build that skill set a place, a great place to start or to go.
2: Right. Also a room full of mentors. You mm-hmm. can people you can look up to and say, ooh, that was a really good speech. Yeah. I want to do more like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: you start seeing that kind of thing in places when you go and you're watching TV and mm-hmm. um, you know, going to uh, keynote speakers at conferences and things like that. And you really learn a lot about what you want to do better to mm-hmm. convey your message. For
1: sure. It helps
2: you to connect with your audience. Mm-hmm. So that job involved traveling. They said it would, it would be a 25% travel. Mm-hmm. and but they hired me actually for a position that hadn't even been created yet and when they created it about six months later that was part of a, a team uh, the the dirty dozen uh, our manager called us where we all were very focused specialized technical people and our responsibility was to support sales organization throughout the world
1: mm-hmm.
2: my first meeting with my new manager uh was in another state and well while, while i was there he said and we've got this trip coming up. And actually, Steve, since you speak Spanish, we really want you to take this trip. <laughs> and so basically, I did come home from that trip, unpack and repack to, to take a trip to Latin America.
0: Wow. Did you end up traveling more than the 25% that you were uh, expecting?
2: Yes. If, if you did the math, it was probably only about 50 or 60% of the, of the time that I was actually on the road but it was frequently like I did one stint where it was a three-week trip through five countries in Southeast Asia, uh, making a final stop in Australia on my way home.
0: Oh, wow. I bet <laughs> I bet your family missed you. Yes. Well, I bet you have some wonderful tips to share with us about travel, with all the travel you've done.
2: It's almost a holy war. Do you carry on or do you pack a suitcase? And And for the most oh. part, people are divided black and white they only see one side their side and that's what they always will do mm-hmm. and i understand both sides
1: yes eric bronson is a carry on or die kind of kind of person
2: i gathered that and i i work <laughs> with somebody and i was traveling with him a lot as i was getting trained in my current job and he was nothing more than a backpack and he mm-hmm. could make it a week on the road
0: I admire those people so much because uh, my husband would just love it if I could pare it down to be able to carry on, but that doesn't happen very often. No.
2: And my philosophy is I will more likely bring a suitcase no matter how short the trip is for a number of different reasons. One is I'm a runner and Mm -hmm. I don't care where I am. I look at it as an opportunity to run somewhere new. Mm -hmm. or somewhere that I've enjoyed running before. Uh, Part of the territory I cover is Southern California, and one particular uh, customer was the closest hotel happened to be a quarter mile from the beach. So I I enjoy going for a run by the ocean. Sure, uh, me too. too. It it makes the travel worthwhile. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: But to bring my running gear and my tennis shoes and things like that, I need a little extra space. Mm -hmm. The other side is making sure I'm prepared for anything. Um, I can't tell you how many times I started a trip uh, that was going to be a two-day trip, and while I was there, something popped up, and I ended up, instead of flying home, flying through Charlotte to uh, do a customer event at a motor speedway or, uh, you know, just detours were very common and have been in all my traveling jobs.
1: So you're against doing laundry on the road then, I guess.
2: I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and often, I mean, even even on my three-week trip in Asia, where I could uh, even expense and sure. room service laundry do it, mm-hmm. I was on the road so much that I either had to pay the exorbitant uh, one-hour prices, uh, which mm-hmm. are double and triple mm-hmm. the hotel prices, which are already mm-hmm. steep. Even that was tricky because of when I arrived, when I needed to be able to wear my suits, and mm-hmm. when I needed to get them back.
1: hmm Makes sense. If you aren't positive of your itinerary or your itinerary could change, be safe for all or be, I should say, prepared for all situations. Exactly. Makes sense.
2: So that's, it, it's not really a religion with me. If I, if, I, and I have take, taken a couple trips with uh, only a carry on, and I'll have my bag for, with my laptop and things I need for work, and I'll have my, my roller bag that uh, fits in the overhead. Mm-hmm. And I'll try that for a few shorter trips. If I'm only going to, if it's only an overnight and I don't think the chances are very high that I'm going to get extended, I'll, I'll try that. And a couple of times that's bit me. So, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so you have a travel blog, right? And um, we're curious to know what your kind of thought was in creating now that, or the motivation behind creating that.
2: My travel book really came out of, I've got a lot of friends, and and they would say, you know, I'd post pictures from, uh, you know, east coast of South America on one day and the west coast of South America on the, on the next day. And uh, saw the sunrise <laughs> wow. in, in uh, Buenos Aires one day and the uh, sunset in uh, Chile uh, the next. And they said, you know, following you on Facebook and social media is like following the travel channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to ask you questions before I take my next trip. And, you know, I, and then I, the other side was, I heard, I had a lot of conversations with people, you know, I'd be talking with somebody and they say, wow, you travel a lot. I wish I could get a job that had that much travel <laughs> and somebody else would, would overhear or would pipe into that conversation. Oh yeah, it seems, it seems like a lot of fun, but once you start doing it, it's not all sunshine and roses. And that's the kind of person that I also wrote it for, for both of mm-hmm. those people, the ones that are excited about, Ooh, I want a business travel and the mm-hmm. ones that are burnt out on it. And Mm -hmm. say, I don't want to do this anymore. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But if you don't want to do it because you're not taking full advantage of the opportunities that are there, there's ways you can make anything more fun. Mm -hmm.
1: That's so true. So talking about opportunities, what are some of your top opportunities for people who find themselves traveling a lot for work?
2: One of my favorite things to do is to experience the world through food. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing I do, if, when I'm in the taxi on or Uber on the way between my airport and my hotel or my first meeting, I will ask my driver, what are you guys known for here? What mm-hmm. should I not leave tomorrow or the next day without having tried?
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, if you're in Monterey, they tell you cabrito, baby goat, is their specialty there.
1: Okay.
2: If you're in Singapore, it's black pepper crab. And it, it, that is, I'm not a huge seafood lover, but it was amazing. I would definitely have that again. (laughs) So every place you go has a unique cuisine or things Mm -hmm. that they're known for. And you get to understand more asking people questions about food. And people are always excited to tell you about their home. Yes. So you go to Texas and ask them what's good. Well, it's barbecue. It's steak. It's this. And well, how is is this steak different from that? Or how is this barbecue different from St. Louis? Oh, it's completely different. And they'll (laughs) tell you all about it.
0: And why it's the best.
1: (laughs) Exactly, both ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what are some other things that you would tell someone who is starting to travel? Some other good tips?
2: Yeah, you you never know when it's going to be the last time you get a chance to see a place. Mm. And what would you like to do if you never got back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, or St. Louis, or think of things that you could do and plan it beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm a runner, so I enjoy going for runs. I was in Seoul, South Korea, Mm -hmm. and I went out for a run on Sunday. I landed, I got there. I traveled the the week before and had the weekend in between uh, countries, and so I went out for a run on Sunday morning. I got up at a leisurely time. It wasn't too hot. I could run a little bit later in the day and uh, went out, and as I'm running, I see people running that had uh, race bibs on.
0: Oh, no. I'm
2: like, there must have been a race here. When I got back to my hotel, I Googled it. And sure enough, I could have run anything up uh, up to a half marathon that day.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: So what I have started doing is if I'm going to be anywhere more than a couple of days, I'll do a, a a good Google search and uh, look for uh, anything all the way up to a marathon, depending on how much time I have. If I have a weekend, um, That's great. I, I ran a marathon in Mainz, Germany.
0: Oh, wow. Just on uh, a weekend that you were traveling.
2: Yeah, I I That's was actually impressive. in Germany. I was in Germany for three weeks, so... Okay. I had, I had a little advance notice and I remembered in time to check and did some searching for marathons in, in Germany.
0: So I know active.com is a good resource for, you know, races like that. Are, are there any other resource tap, you know, resources that you
2: recommend? Oh, uh, that, that, that's a good one. I usually just do a, a plain old Google search. And okay. uh, if if I'm in the mood for running a marathon, I'll just search marathons in whatever country or whatever okay. city that I'm going to be in. Okay. And Germany was a little tricky because even though I was staying near Frankfurt, there were no marathons in Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. So I had to actually widen the search to marathons in Germany and then uh, open another tab with a map of Germany and figure out how far away they were. How long does it take to get from Frankfurt to the city? Oh, six hours by train. No, not going to be doing a marathon there unless I go over the weekend. Uh,
1: So So Stephen you've got your blog you've got your book coming out what would you say is your differentiator or what does what makes you unique uh, for the traveling business person audience
2: well there's a couple things well for, first of all like is that I'm an introvert there's an awful lot of people in especially in the technical field which I'm in uh, that are introverts that end up traveling more than they probably would prefer
1: mm-hmm. sure
2: they face some uh, additional challenges that an extrovert that suddenly finds himself traveling may not Uh, an introvert, typically the way I see it, gets drained the more interaction they have Mm -hmm. with people. Mm -hmm. And so an introvert that would normally like to spend half or three quarters of their day sitting in front of a computer with their door closed, working on their coding tasks or whatever their their work is, Mm -hmm. now is in front of customers half the day or more. And so by the end of the day, they're drained. And that can lead to something. My wife used to be married to a pilot and the term that they had in the, in, the flight, in the flight industry was slam clickers. There's some pilots who fly all over the world, get a shuttle to their, their, their hotel, slam the door, click on the TV and order room service. <laughs> and you talk to them and say, well, what was Singapore like? Well, hotel was the same anywhere. And that's all they know. Their passport may have a bunch of stamps in it, but they really don't know anything about the culture, the people, the food, much of anything.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and it people and introverts can run into the the same scenario and that's the kind of people that will tend to get burned out on travel Mm -hmm. you not only need to deal with all the customers not deal with but talk to customers and that's draining you all day long but then you're probably eating out at restaurants more often so you're interacting with waitresses and and waiters and interacting with the hotel staff and, and everything else so you're drained beyond what you normally would deal with on a day-to-day basis. So that you need time to recharge and you need to understand that. So mm-hmm. finding things to do where you can recharge and that fulfill you is, is very important for the introverted people.
0: And I suppose it doesn't really matter what it is as long as it's something that recharges you, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably different people have different things. What, what, what do you do to recharge when you're feeling a little
2: first of all, I almost never turn on the TV. Mm -hmm. Not a rule or anything. I just am not interested in TV. And I know that will not recharge me because it's just more people.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm a reader. I love to read. Mm -hmm. I'm on pace this year to read 30 books. Oh, good for you. And next year, I'm going to increase the dare and go to 40.
0: Awesome.
2: The other thing, I kind of circle back to the previous question, Another thing that separates me and gives me a little different angle on what I can bring to to people is the fact that I was raised in another country. Uh, oh, I grew up mm-hmm. I grew up in Ecuador. Ah, cool. So that exposure gives me a, a different take on different cultures, because I even see different cultures within the U.S. Because my mindset, in a lot of ways, is Latin more as much Latin or more Latin than American. Mm-hmm. So I bring that, and I can help people see the differences are what make humanity great. Yes.
0: I think the differences are, are always good and, and uh, noticing noticing those differences and embracing them actually shows us how much more like we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you travel nationally and internationally, right? Yes. How do you handle the time differences and keeping your body healthy and active and, you know, in alignment with the time zone changes and the climate changes?
2: Yeah, there, there's a lot of, lot of tricks. One of my favorite ones uh, that I really, I discovered by accident, but noise-canceling headphones help reduce the impact of jet lag. Okay. And I read somewhere that it's the noise of the jet engines that is what drains the body. Really? And yeah. I don't remember where I read that, but I tested <laughs> it out and I swear by the noise-canceling head- headphones. So that's that's one of the things. Another is that You need to reset your biological clock to local time as soon as you can, or if it's a big time difference, even beforehand. Mm -hmm. If you can go to bed an hour or two earlier and get up an hour or two earlier for a few days before you leave, that's going to pay off huge when you you get to where you're going. The other thing is when I land, I always try and get a little exercise. My ideal trip is I land in the mid-afternoon, go out for a short run just to stretch my legs and kind of see the sights have a light dinner, and get to bed at an early bedtime for local time zone. Mm -hmm. Get up early and have a morning run just to reinforce with my body that this is morning.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Those are good tips.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you told me when we talked earlier that you bring a kit with you on all business trips that helps with your health.
2: Well, it's got a little bit of Everything. I've got a uh, set of supplements and everybody needs to figure out what supplements work best for them and and things like that. But Mm -hmm. when you're on the road, a lot of times you don't get to choose what food you want Mm -hmm. or what food you want to eat. And you might end up eating a little less nutritious than you would like to. Mm -hmm. So having enough supplements to to help your body carry you through that. Different Other other, uh, things like melatonin. If you are on a really crazy time difference, yeah, you know, it makes sense to try a little melatonin to help you fall asleep the first day or two you're there mm-hmm. and gets you back on the right time zone. But the other side is the, if you run into a problem where you get sick or you have a headache mm-hmm. or you get the flu, um, mm-hmm. you can't just walk into a CVS when you're in Bogota.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you do find a pharmacy, and you will, it's a whole different uh, a ball of wax to ask for specific, you know, I need a decongestant. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you're fluent in, in Spanish, you may have trouble expressing exactly what you need. It's like if you're gluten intolerant, asking for gluten-free food is going to be hard in a lot mm-hmm. of parts of the world.
0: Right.
2: So having all of those things that you know work, you know, I know Ni- NyQuil works for me. I mm-hmm. know this works for me. You know, so bring what works for you. You don't need to bring a, a jumbo bottle, but just enough for a day or two to mm-hmm. to get you through is, uh, is helpful.
1: That's so helpful. And I like the idea of having your brand, especially internationally. It's like, I know I want to leave if I get a headache. I don't want some Japanese acetaminophen that isn't a leave. I want what I want. And so, and to know that you have it, I think it's going to help Reduce stress in the situation where you think you might be getting
2: something. Well, it really came in handy. Well, it, it would have come in handy before I did this. I was I was in one country and I I did a I like to find activities. If I'm going to be somewhere over the weekend, I want to do something that I'm going to remember more than just I went out to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was in Ecuador and I had a Saturday free and I was traveling on Sunday. So Saturday I found a a, a bike tour where they drove you up to a, a snow capped volcano. You did a little hike in the snow, and then you got on mountain bikes and rode downhill. And that was fun, except I hadn't prepared for that, that particular adventure. The ride downhill, I got sweaty, I got cold, I got sweaty, I got cold. And by the time I went to bed that night, I was starting to feel congested. Oh. By the time I got off in Mexico the next day, my nose was stuffy, my voice was scratchy, and I wasn't feeling good. So I asked at the hotel when I checked in, and I bought some local version of a, a cold medicine went to sleep. And the next day I went to my event where I was supposed to be speaking for about six hours, pretty much nonstop. And I got up in front of the uh, room said, hello, my name is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and right away, one of the organizers heard my voice and knew, knew I needed something. So he ran out and came back with, uh, with some cough drops and they were a different nice. shape, a different kind, a different brand, never heard of them before. And it uh, took a break and, and he gave them to me and, put one in my mouth and sucked on it. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt at least 20% better after just one cough drop. Wow. But the great, the great part from that trip was my class was uh, very attentive and and Mm -hmm. paid a lot of attention and gave me some good advice. And they told me that in Mexico, they have a saying that says tequila cura todo. (laughs) (laughs) Tequila cures everything. Yes.
1: It sure does.
2: (laughs) So it's one, one of the challenges when you're on the road, especially internationally getting sick, is you can't just call your doctor and get in tomorrow or just stop by an urgent care and you know get some medicine or something. So you need to know what your personal health problems are and what your risks are so you're prepared. Whatever medicine you take, make sure you bring enough, even if that trip gets longer.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's, a really, that's a really good tip. Mm-hmm.
2: With this COVID situation, there was—I I know people personally who ended up staying in uh, France longer than they had planned because the country had shut down. Right. Yeah. Finally, that returning home, repatriation was considered essential travel, and they were able to get to the airport and get a flight. But they were there longer than they had expected. If they were, you know, if they were on a two-week trip and they brought enough medicine for two weeks, they would have been in trouble. Right. So being prepared, again, is, is important and finding out what the local Medicare or medical system is. Mm-hmm. If you Another friend uh, broke his leg when he was in Italy. Oh, boy. So there's uh, insurance options that you can get and mm-hmm. things like that where you can get a return flight home that would be a lot more comfortable uh, mm-hmm. if, if you have a broken leg and you're in a cast than trying to figure out how you're going to sit across three seats or something like that with your leg sticking out in the aisle.
1: Mm-hmm. So true. So I saw on your page, you've talked about technology and I think different people adjust their virtual travel offices differently. So some bring an iPad, some like to recreate their entire setup. What does your on the road technical kit consist of?
2: Everything I can fit into my briefcase. which means that my big microphone for uh, recording is not there my uh, external webcam which is a little better quality is not there I do bring both my personal laptop as well as my work laptop as well as the chargers for those
0: oh wow okay
2: that's just a choice I've chosen chosen to make I don't like uh, intermingling uh, personal and and business uh, so I use my personal laptop for anything I want to do any uh, things like when I was writing the book, I did not write the book on my work laptop. I wrote that online mm-hmm. on my own time, just to mm-hmm. keep my employer clear that this is a side project and it doesn't yep. interfere with work.
1: Mm-hmm. Smart.
2: Besides the fact that my work laptop is a Mac and I'm i I'm a Windows guy, so I really don't like my work laptop that much.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Has your work laptop ever broken when you've been traveling? <laughs> and I mean, were you grateful you had your own ba- your own laptop as a backup?
2: Uh, close. The first time I brought my personal laptop, the first times I was bringing my personal laptop with was because my work laptop was too old and slow. So I brought my personal one so I could do presentations and things like that and not make the customer wait 20 minutes while my mm-hmm. old decrepit machine booted up. Mm-hmm. So I flew, and uh, I think it was El Salvador, and landed like at 10 o'clock at night. So I had my new laptop. So I was watching some Netflix on the flight down. And then I got tired, so I closed it and, and slid, it into the, uh, slid it under the seat in front of me, underneath my laptop case. Uh-oh. Landed there, woke up when we landed, and uh, uh, reached down, grabbed my laptop bag, zipped up the, the, the bag, and got off the plane, went through customs, got to my hotel, went to go plug in my laptop, the new laptop that I just bought less than a oh. month before, oh. and realized it wasn't in my backpack. Ouch. <laughs> At that point, I was really grateful that I did at least have my old work laptop there (laughs) Mm -hmm. to fall back to. Otherwise, the next morning when I went to go visit my first customer, it would have been up the creek.
1: Yes. Oh, goodness.
2: Fortunately, that particular story had a happy ending. When my business partner picked me up the next morning, I said, can we swing by the airport and check with the lost and found office? And he got this look on his face and he didn't say it, but later he told me, he said, (laughs) that laptop's gone. Yeah. <laughs> but it was actually there.
0: Oh, there, are, there are honest people in the world.
2: All over the world, there are.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So you've been to 25 plus countries. And, you know, I know that with business travel comes really busy calendars, right? And not a lot of time for sightseeing. And you said that you, you know, you'll do some research before you go someplace. And I know that food is one place where you go, right, to learn mm-hmm. about culture. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, how you discover a culture and not a lot of
2: time? A couple of different ways. Besides the food conversation, is one that I weave in through every conversation I have, every coffee break, every lunch with a customer, and because obviously I'm I'm not local when I'm in other countries, and mm-hmm. they they ask what I think of their country, and so it's a perfect opportunity to, to ask their recommendations.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the local recommendations are always the best too.
2: I've gone to Buenos Aires, I think, mm-hmm. four or five times. The best steakhouse I had was a couple of my business partners were we were talking, and uh, I said, I, I want to get a good steak. Where's a good steak place around here? And they debated for several minutes. Mm-hmm. And the one that was the final winner was, hands down, my favorite. Nice. And it's not one that I, w- I would have found on Travelocity or mm-hmm. anything like that. Another thing I, I really enjoy doing... Is my wife and I, my wife's a photographer, and I enjoy photography. So, uh, like uh, a la- year and a half ago, we were in France for a couple days and we looked up and found a uh, photo walk. And for 20 bucks, a local photographer takes you on a walking tour of all the best photo spots of a particular area of the yeah. city.
0: Ooh, that sounds like fun.
2: Yeah. Other places i 've been i 've done just uh, walking tours. Somebody local is just giving a walking tour a lot of times that 's no cost other than a tip,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: they give you some of the the lowdown on uh, you know how the how the city's changing, things like that, and some of the the in, inside secrets. business travel a lot of times is very busy and you 're booked from uh-huh. the time you land. you get to the first appointment, you get to your hotel late at night and you leave the ne- early the next yeah. morning. But there are times that there is some flexibility in that. And that's an area that some people just automatically assume if they schedule it, you need to do those dates. I was scheduled once for a, uh, a trip to uh, uh, Nigeria and Ghana. And they had some dates proposed that a facility was available and things like that. And that would have worked for me, but it would have meant um, I, couldn't, I would have missed a concert with my wife that we had tickets to. Mm-hmm. So I, I asked if it would be possible to postpone it uh, by, by two days. And uh, they said, sure. You know, you, you can't lose if you at least ask.
1: Yeah, exactly. it can't hurt to
0: ask. Absolutely. That's really great advice.
1: So, Stephen, obviously business travel has come to a screeching halt in the last few months. And it is going to start again. But I can't imagine it's going to be exactly what it was before. Um, what do you think the future of business travel looks like post COVID or as we come out of COVID or as COVID lingers or I don't know what's going to happen, but what do you think it's going to look like?
2: Yeah, I've I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, research and talking to other people. I've been on a couple other uh, travel related panels and some experts are saying that travel even a year or two years from now will still be significantly depressed from where it was uh, Mm pre-COVID. I think there's a lot of places that are opening up sales forces and their traveling uh, employees being probably 80 to 90 percent as effective working remotely. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of pressure from a lot of companies to cut costs and continue to use uh, the the video conference approach instead of the traveling approach. However, the bigger the the price tag, the more it's a relationship, not a technical purchase. Mm -hmm. That's harder to do via Zoom. The business lunch, the customer visits, on-site uh, hand-holding for different customers is going to pick back up. I Again, I think starting, I was actually talking with somebody at, I know at another company, and uh, they, they started traveling again last week. So oh, wow. Mm. Okay. It's, uh, it, it, I think it's going to start back. It's not going to bounce back quite as quickly, but it will start, uh, start moving back positively, I think. But there's going to be the regulations that the airlines are going to put into effect, uh, things like face masks and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. international travel is going to be you know, a little bit longer drawn out, I think. Mm-hmm. But I, I know some countries are already talking about, if you travel to certain parts of Africa, you need to have a yellow fever card.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: that documents that you've either had it and have the immunity or that you are vaccinated within the appropriate time frame. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have a COVID card.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Chile actually already announced that like several months ago, that once you have COVID, you will be able to get that signed by your doctor and uh, that'll be your ticket to enter and travel freely.
0: Well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how things do change, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. I know Eric's been talking with his people about doing stuff like Top Golf and other things mm-hmm. like that. Like, what can we do with customers that's outside, but distance and safe? And mm-hmm. it's a whole different world out there.
2: Yeah, and Another idea that I uh, had a couple of people that have uh, been doing is virtual scotch tasting. And they, <laughs> okay. they ship out samples to yeah. all the different customers. And then you're on a Zoom call, but everybody has the same mm-hmm. beverage and everybody gets to walk through it. A connoisseur talks them through the different flavors and the different uh, uh, drinks. Or a, uh, another uh, organization I'm part of uh, had a, uh, a Thai meal. And they had uh, somebody join uh, the the Zoom call from uh, Thailand, where it was actually morning. They were having breakfast, but they were talking us through typical Thailand Thai food. And then people in in the U.S. ordered Thai takeout from their from their local Thai places.
0: Oh, that's creative! That's yeah. super creative. I've heard of some business chambers doing wine tastings and sending the wines, sending the bottles to people prior so that mm-hmm. they and then they can discuss it. So, yep. you know, one thing can be said is that we're going to get out of this creatively, right? We're going to navigate creatively and that's, uh, that's, you know, that's one of the good things about being human is that we do have that ability to be creative. Mm
1: -hmm. That's right. And adaptable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, awesome, Stephen, this has been so, so helpful. And once people get started again, I, I hope that before they go, they check out your book and check out your blog and learn from you and all of your adventures. Please plug away, tell our listeners where they can find you.
2: Yeah. My book is available. as surviving business travel and you can find that uh, it's available for pre-order on Amazon and Kindle and printed right now. And you, or, or you can go to my direct site. And if you guys have show notes, I can uh, post a, I can give you a link with a, a discount code for your listeners.
0: Oh, awesome. Fantastic. Thank, you.
1: thank you. Good.
0: Oh, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. I think whether we like it or not, travel is a part of so many people's lives with work mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, you know, next time I do some work travel, I might just have to go check out a walking tour somewhere. Oh,
1: I'm going
2: to... It's a lot of fun. I've I've experienced a couple of uh, walking tours in a couple different places and, and really enjoyed it.
1: Wonderful. I- Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, very, Thank you. Very, very much as well.
1: This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler.
0: Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to
1: hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk.
1: And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show.
0: My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Kat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer.
1: And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beaks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson.
0: Real Job Talk is a Tech Reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you.